Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Marketing Your Practice podcast, the podcast where I have the pleasure of simplifying the marketing and the mindset so you, the chiropractor, can increase your income, your impact, and your enjoyment in practice too. In today's episode, we're going to really dive into increasing your income. We're going to be talking all about money. And in particular, what I want to share with you is money beliefs. I want to share with you 10 money beliefs that will help you to skyrocket your income in 2024. Now, before we go any further, I want to clarify some things here too. And I want to talk with you a little bit about what do I mean by money beliefs? Because beliefs on their own are not going to make any difference. But a belief that is supported by the right actions will absolutely make a difference. So what is a what is a belief? A belief is really just a lens through which you interpret your experiences. They shape our thoughts. They absolutely have a massive impact on our actions, as I'll talk about in a moment, and our reactions as well. Now, oftenly, most of us don't consciously choose our beliefs, and they're also not consciously taught to us as well. So they're not taught to us in the same way that we're taught to read and write and maths. But our beliefs we pick up unconsciously by watching the world around us or watching in particular how our parents behave, how our school teachers behave and watching you know, the media uh, at wide there as well. Now, it's important to realize that we don't see the world as it actually is. We see the world as we believe it. Now, in psychology, this is referred to as the mirror principle or as selective attention. Now, our brain has to work this way. Now, given that it's chiropractors, listeners, we have an understanding of neurology that's beyond, beyond people in the general public. And there are several parts in our brain that do this, but it's a key role of our reticular activating system. So right now, as you are sitting here listening to this, there are several pieces of information that your brain is blocking out. Like until I say this right now, you're not actually thinking about how your shoes feel and against your feet. You're not thinking about how the back of your legs feel against the chair and Maybe you're not also thinking about the temperature of the air as it goes in and out of your mouth. There's a lot of information that's coming to us that's irrelevant. Now, your brain, in particular, the reticular activating system, is the one that's deciding what is relevant for you, okay? Now, this relevance is hugely uh, impacted or influenced, rather, by our belief systems as well, okay? Now, it turns out that people who have a lot of money and are good with money not only are they doing things differently, now this is what we tend to want to jump in, is like, what are you doing? And then we try and do the same thing. But if we try to do the same thing and we don't change our identity, our identity is just another name for the culmination and the combination of our belief systems, okay? Our identity is who we believe we actually are. And if we try and do um, what somebody else is doing, what wealthy people are doing, we don't change our belief systems. Along the way, what will end up happening is that we will sabotage because we don't like to behave outside our identity. We're going to talk about that in a moment. So I want to share with you 10 of the belief systems uh, that wealthy people have and ones that I've really worked at over the last 20 years that have helped me enormously with regards to my financial situation as well. Now, the key one I learned about a decade ago when I was doing Lifebook as well. And there was a conversation in there in around money, okay? And the guy that ran the program, John was his name. I can't think of his last name as well. He took us through the history of money. Now, the combination of that is he taught me that money is just an exchange of value. And if I want more money, I just need to exchange more value, okay? 
Now, the other way I often think about this is that if I want more money, I just need to solve more problems or solve bigger problems. Now, let me give you a brief snapshot of the history in terms of how we can understand this because it simplifies the philosophy of money. In the early days, before there was money in the form of the notes and coins, and even we don't use that a lot more, what it was is our cultures worked on a barter system. I had cows, you had chickens. Five of your chickens was worth one of my cows. Now, as it turned out, if you came back to me and wanted another cow and I didn't want a chicken, but maybe I want pigs, then you had to swap your chickens for a pig. And then, and again, it got complicated really quickly here. And so what happened in the early days is that we had an agreed store value. In the earliest days, these were little kind of clay kind of tokens. Um, you know, we have evidence of them going back literally thousands of years. And this then grew into the form of money that we have now. So it's an agreement amongst us about stored value. Okay. So maybe if I didn't give you chickens, maybe what I did is I built something for you. We said inside this coin, there is value. And so this is where we need to understand that if I want more of it, I just need to provide more value. Now, along with this, having the identity of seeing yourself as someone that provides value or seeing yourself as a problem solver, this is an identity here that also fits really nicely of bringing a lot more money into your life. So the first belief that people have who are really great with money is that money is just the exchange of value. If I want more money, I just need to provide more money. Now, the good news for you as chiropractors is that when we talk about the large and big problems that we have, there are three big mega niches in terms of valuable problems that we can solve for people. And they are health problems, wealth problems, and relationship problems. So if you're wanting to start a business and they solve a health problem, a wealth problem, or a relationship problem, this is a good business to go into. Now, as chiropractors, we are right smack bang middle in the middle of health problem. And I believe there's never been a better time to be a chiropractor because people are so confused about their health. They're continuing to have these outside in looks at the world. We know that's not how it works. And so you are perfectly positioned to provide more value to your community. Now, the second belief that people who are really good with money have is they see the world as an abundant place. There's not a scarcity of money. There's not that there's not much going around. In fact, the opposite, they look at the universe and they see parallels between the world's abundance and the abundance in money, maybe the number of stars in the sky, the grains of sand, that in the economic world, there is literally billions of dollars floating around right now. There are people continuing to make money out of the most weird and wonderful things. Just this morning, I was reading about a young guy, one of the youngest self-made billionaires. He was prior to 30, opened up a company called Gymshark, and he's made a billion-dollar business from basically gym clothing and other, like, that was it. That's how he built his billion-dollar business. There are opportunities for you to provide value to the world everywhere. They're not scarce. I remember when I started to study the property market, I had a teacher at the time there who had a mantra. He says, the deal of a lifetime comes around about once a week. Now, this served me very, very well because most of us, if we're wanting to buy property, we get stuck in the scarcity. We end up overpaying for our price, for our properties, instead of saying, there's another deal just around the corner. There's no scarcity that's there. So we need to have a shift from a scarcity mindset where resources are limited to an abundance mindset where there's enough for everybody. Okay. So belief number two is the world is an abundant place. It really, really is. Particularly if you're listening to this episode right now and you're probably in the Western world 
then know that you have hit the lottery. This doesn't mean that there might not have been some challenges in your past. I'm sure there have been. But there are people growing up in areas still now that don't have power and running water. And even for them, there's still opportunities for them to see the world as an abundant place. It's a lot more difficult, but you've got a head start. Now, this leads on to point number three here that has been very valuable to me and pivotal in the way that I think about things now. And this is when we're thinking about money, it's not a zero sum game. And so what I mean by this is that if I win and make more money, that doesn't mean that somebody else loses. So in the sports arena, whether I'm being playing football or tennis or golf, there's a winner, there's a loser. And it does not have to be this way in the world of business. And particularly if you're doing chiropractic right, when you're making a lot of money, your community becomes a lot healthier. Okay. It's actually a win for you. It's a win for the person and it's a win for the community. And when you get really good at the thing that we do called chiropractic, then what actually happens is the community benefits even more than you do. Now, I run through and I often do a little process when I'm talking with community influencer uh, uh, members, a thought process where I get them to imagine that they had 100 unfound Picasso paintings that you know, they found in a warehouse somewhere. Now, when they find these, there's a little note that goes along with it says, you're allowed to sell these, but you're only allowed to sell them for $1,000 each. And they quickly realize that Picasso paintings are worth a million. Now, there's a thousand of these paintings, and a thousand and a thousand means there's a million dollars worth of paintings. Now, if you walked out there into the community and you offered the first person that walked past and said, hey, listen, I've got a Picasso painting here. I found them. Um, I want to sell it to you. It's only a thousand dollars. How would you feel if that person said no? Now, when we run through this thought experiment, and I often go through into it in a lot more detail, the first thing they think is, next, I just go on to the next person because I've got a Picasso here. It's, you know, I'm selling it for $1,000 and it's worth millions as well. The same is true with the chiropractic care that we offer our community, whether it be $70, $80, or $100 in adjustment. The value, the potential value it delivers to the community is well beyond that. The possibilities that exist for a family under chiropractic care is like that Picasso as well. So it's absolutely not a zero-sum game. When you do very well, okay, in your chiropractic business, the community does very well. You're employing staff for starters, okay? You're providing rent somewhere. There's other services, accountants and lawyers and you name it from there, not to mention the staff that you're actually paying as, as well, okay? So it's not a zero-sum game. Okay, belief number four of the wealthy, and that is, is that they believe that they are worthy of an abundant life and that financial freedom is available and achievable for them. Now, you can have all of those beliefs beforehand. You can believe that money's just an exchange of value, okay? You can believe that it's not a zero-sum game, that the world is full of abundance. But some of us have an identity that says that they're not worthy. Now, there are several things that can have gone on in our life early on, several challenges that we've been through that can rob us of that sense of worthiness. Now, identity is impossible to escape, okay? We can never move beyond our identity. It's a very, very powerful drive of behavior. Most of you listening to this are probably non-smokers, and most of us that are non-smokers don't find it difficult not smoking. Now, the reason we don't find it difficult to not smoke is because we have the identity of a non-smoker, okay? Now, we have the identity of an exerciser if we have an identity of being great with money, if we have the identity of being great in relationships, these things come effortlessly to us. Now, 
starting to establish this identity can be tricky. And we're going to really talk about towards the end here, how do we go about this? But identifying, you know, where do we sit at? Do we believe that we're worthy? And if we don't, why not? Why is somebody else more worthy than you? Now, I like to think, and in my life and in my friends, that there are many times that I have behaved in a way that I'm not proud of. Um, but that doesn't make me a bad person. I've done things that I would rather not have done, but I made the best decisions based on those circumstances. And I believe also in other people, until I've walked a mile in their shoes, I choose not to judge as well. And so there needs to be an element of kindness and self-compassion. And we need to start to rewrite our identity, which is what we're doing. We're taking on all of these as well. Now, once we start to take on the identity of somebody that money comes to easily and is worthy of financial freedom, then the next belief there is number five, which is investing in yourself is one of the things that will pay the best dividends. So whether it be, you know, buying stocks or buying businesses or buying real estate, for many of us in the early day, the very best investment that you can make is investing in yourself, in good teaching, in coaching, in self-improvement, in education, in skill development, okay? Particularly now as we move into one of the most profitable niches to be in is in the information niche. We're going to talk about that in a moment in terms of how we create money. But at the moment, the number one investment that Lauren and I make is investing in ourselves, okay? More than what we do in property, more than what we do in our superannuation, more than what we do is that we continue to have good coaches, good resources, good mentors, and good education as well. And so if you're not um, investing in yourself, that might be one of the first things that you want to do from today. And that is to back yourself, okay? That if I have the right coaches and the right support people around me, and I can make some changes. So number five belief system is investing in yourself is what actually pays the best dividends. Now, number six is this shift towards, and this is something that's relatively new in terms of, you know, as evolution, is that I create money with my mind, not my muscle, okay? Money doesn't come from the hardest working. Now, if I look at my folks and my family, you know, my parents and my grandparents are some of the hardest working people that I've ever met. Hours worked absolute love for what they do, the difference they make come from a family of school teachers when, you know, my dad ducked his school and could have done anything that he wanted to have done. And one of the most prestigious things that he could have done at that stage was become a school teacher. And he chose to do that. And for a large portion of his life, he found tremendous pride in that. The community admired school teachers. So he worked hard. He made a huge difference. Okay. He delivered tremendous value as, as well inside of that. But the community doesn't value education as well. And we have this shift now where making money is not about working harder. Now, I know this is a cliche, but to some extent, it really is true that it's about working smarter. If I have a hole that needs to be dug, okay, the hardest way to go about that is just to dig it with a shovel. The easiest and the smartest way to go about that is to get in a backhoe, digger, an excavator, and have that work. And so if you're wanting to increase your income this year, there's chances are it's not about you working harder. This is not about you seeing more actual patience, but it's about how can I use my mind? So as we go from our hunter-gatherer ancestors where the value that we brought to the community was lot in around our muscle, in around our brawn, whereas nowadays a lot of the value that we deliver to our community has all got to do with our brain. So we've progressed from hunter-gatherers into an agricultural society, into 
you know, really what then became about factories in the industrial age into what is now known as the information age. And so the billion dollar companies in the past, a lot of those were built in around tangible things like commodities, oil and gold and silver, steel. But the billion dollar businesses of nowadays are information businesses. So, you know, we look at Google and even Apple to an extent there. Um, these are billion dollar businesses because they're about attention and they're about information. And this is just somebody's mind. And I look at and I keep an eye out. I love watching businesses where people have been able to take something from nothing and turn it into a million and often a billion dollar business there too because of their mind. And so this is something that when we talk about skill training and upskilling and investing in is how can I start to use my mind more as well? Because there is a limitation for how hard we can work. There are only 24 hours in a day and there are only seven days in a week regardless of who you are as well, okay? Now, belief number seven is that money is a tool, not just an end game. <clears throat> and by this too, there's a couple of points I want to talk about here. The goal is not to get money for money's sake. The goal is to get money so we can support our passions, to enable a fulfilling life, rather than it being the ultimate objective. Now, many of you have probably heard of research that says that money doesn't make us happier. Now, whilst there's an element of truth to this, there's new research that's been coming out over the last 24 months or so that says, well, that's not actually the entire picture because it depends on what we spend the money on. And it does show that those people that earn money and they spend it on experiences, okay, family holidays, family gatherings, adventures, those type of things like that too, then it has a dramatic impact on their happiness. So money can buy happiness if we know where to spend it. Now, what money is, is a magnifier. So if you're already pretty angry and grumpy and shitty right now, and you're thinking that money will solve that problem, I got to tell you, it won't. And I know this firsthand because I've had 24 years of being in practice and the area where my practice was in Port Melbourne is a very, very affluent area. And I looked after many people who were multi, multi-millionaires. And I can tell you that these people were no happier than the other people in my practice who were just starting out their careers. Now, we like to think it would be different from us, but the research is clear with this, is that money will just magnify what you've got going on now. If you're already in a loving, abundant relationship, if there's great joy with your family, then it will give you resources to bring more of that, okay? If there's scarcity and anger, and again, many, many of my patients spend a lot of time stressing about their money as well. And so money, we need to see it as a tool, not as the end goal itself, and knowing that it will just magnify what you have right now. So if you're feeling grumpy, if you're feeling scarce, if you're feeling like life is rough, then let's start to create the other feelings first, what we want also, okay? Now, wealth is meant to be shared. This is the next belief too as well. And so the idea of sharing wealth, whether it be through philanthropy, helping loved ones, investing in community projects, employing more people, enriching the lives of the people around you. We do that because that inherently enriches our life also. This, again, is another reflection of not being in scarcity. A lot of these belief systems go back to what I talked about to begin with, which is the mirror principle, which says that our environment just reflects what's going on inside of our mind. This is selective thinking. And so if the way that we look at our world is through scarcity, 
okay, then that's what you're going to see. And so when we see wealth as an opportunity to share, to give to others, knowing that it's not a zero-sum game, when we celebrate the wealth of others, then this allows us to bring in a lot more wealth to ourselves. So Lauren and I like to catch ourselves. There was a time in my life, maybe when I saw somebody doing something amazing that I might have felt envious. So we were looking at um, houses a couple of years ago, and we looked at a house that was kind of well outside our uh, our price zone. We like to do this to dream into it. And as we were walking through this place, there was a young real estate agent. And by young, I would have said he might have been late 20s, early 30s. And whether it was just a spiel or not there too, he was saying, you know what, I'm thinking about buying this place myself. Now, <clears throat> there would have been a time in my life that I might have been envious that how could somebody so young you know, afford a house that was multiple, multiple millions of dollars there too. But as we hopped back in the car, Lauren and I had a really wonderful conversation about how cool it was. Like, isn't it amazing, this young guy? I wonder what amazing things he's done, what value he's given, what lives he's changed to be able to afford a place like this. So instead of being envious of other people who are doing really great, we like to sit in admiration. We like to celebrate it because what envy is, Envy, when we feel envious of somebody else doing something, inherently there's a conversation in our mind that says that they're doing something that I can't. And that's not a great belief system or a great identity for you to embody. Instead, when we celebrate what the success of other people are and we look at it as this is something they're doing and I could do that as well, it's a much more fulfilling, enjoyable, and it's much better for our money mindset as well. So wealth is meant to be shared, okay, as well. Number nine here too is that financial mistakes are just learning opportunities. So there have been times in my life that I've been paralyzed by not wanting to make a mistake. Should I invest here or invest there? Should I do this with my practice? Should I bring on an associate or not? And when I have seen it as, you know, if I'm going to make a mistake, this is going to cost me forever and I can't make it back up, it's paralyzed me. But instead now I see all of these mistakes as just an opportunity to learn something new. Now this doesn't mean that I'm reckless and you shouldn't be reckless either. But I'm no longer paralyzed about mistakes because of all the things that I have built around me. Money is abundant. I'm worthy of money. I can find more money by just solving more problems. So if I lose some, I can get it all back again as well. And the 10th and final belief system that I want to share you here is that abundance really flows from gratitude. Now, again, I don't think, and again, my experience hasn't been that I can just sit in my chair and uh, legs crossed and fingers, arms in lotus position there too, and be grateful for money and more money will flow to me. And if you can do that, then kudos to you as well. But I noticed this, in fact, I got this um, from a book called Effortless, I think it was as well. Um, the name of the author will come to me, uh, McEwen, I think his name was as well. And he says that when we are grateful for what we've got, we get more of it. But when we feel frustrated about what we don't have, we actually lose what we get. Now, or what we've got. Now, he says it in a much cooler way than that too, but we must, and I see this all the time for chiropractors that want to grow their practice, and they might say, look, I'm seeing 50 or 60 a week, and I feel so frustrated, and I, I want to be at 200 a week. One of the first things that you've got to do is you've got to be grateful for those 50 people who come in and see you. Like there's 50 people each week that go out of the way to come and see you, and if we can't be grateful for those, then why would the universe give us more? So grateful for what you've got. And you know, for most of us, as I mentioned at the top of this episode here as well, you have a roof over your head. You've probably got a car that you may be driving along, mobile device that you're listening to. There's a lot that you can be grateful for. And from that platform of gratitude, we can then leap into a lot of the rest of 
the belief system. So let's review those belief systems again. And then I want to share with you, how do we go about installing these into our operating system as well? Okay. So the first belief system we talked about is that money is really just the exchange of value. If I want more money, I just need to exchange more value or solve more problems. The second belief system is that the world is an abundant place. There's lots of money everywhere. Okay. And this leads into belief number three is it's not a zero sum game. So if I earn more money, it doesn't mean that somebody earns less or that if I win, it means the community wins. And this is certainly the case for us as chiropractors as well. It has to be built on an identity that you're worthy of an abundant life and that financial freedom is absolutely achievable for you as well. Belief number five is that the best investment or investing in yourself is what pays the best dividends. So this is about believing self-improvement and education and skill development are the most profitable investments. And they certainly have been in my life as well. Belief number six is I create money with my mind, not my muscle. Okay. How can I think in a way that might allow me to add more value? What are the ways that I can do about it? Belief number seven is that money is a tool. It's not the end goal. It's something that's just going to magnify where we're at right now. If we're happy, it'll allow us to be more happy. We can use it for experiences rather than just getting the zeros in the bank account. More money will not make you more happy, okay, on its own, okay? So number eight, wealth is meant to be shared, okay? We don't want to be scarce. We don't want to hold it in. The idea of sharing wealth means that we get to employ more people, change more lives through that way as well. It promotes a sense of social responsibility. And again, it just dives deep into reflecting of this abundance that you believe as well. Number nine is that financial mistakes are a learning opportunity. And number 10 is that abundance flows from gratitude as well. So maybe you are excited by these belief systems. Maybe they resonate uh, with you, but maybe they're not beliefs of yours just yet. Okay. They're like, ah, I kind of like to think that way. I'd like to believe that way. How do I go about believing new things? It's a really great question to ask because the truth of the matter is, is that if we look at life and business. Those people that have things that you don't have, okay, they just believe things that you don't believe yet. That's all it is. And so when I want to think new thoughts, believe new things there, the first thing I do is I look for evidence that I've done this in the past. And so maybe in around money, if I'm wanting to raise my prices, for instance, maybe that's the first thing that you're going to do, up your prices. I look for evidence, where have I done this in the past and it went okay? You know, yeah, I did raise my prices beforehand or where have I done something similar to this? You know, where do I have evidence in the past that I've been able to do this? Now, if I can't find evidence for this, then thing number two that I do is I look for evidence that other people have done it. So do you know anybody else that's raised their prices and they've been okay? Now, one of the first things I tell a lot of community influence members when they come in to start working with me is raise your prices. And almost all of them, have a panic attack. They say, all right, how do I communicate this and what emails need to go up and what message do I need to put up at the front desk? I'm like, you don't need to do any of that. Your front desk staff just say to check it, hey, letting you know as of the 1st of March, this will be our new adjustment free. And that's it. Like, and will there be some people that kick up a stink? Probably, but they were going to kick up a stink about something anyway. They were working their way out of the practice. And so if you don't have any evidence about you doing this, then look for other people. So one of the things I love about the coaching group that I'm a part of is I often like to just jump into the Facebook group and read through, and I like to see the amazing things that people are doing in coaching industries similar to mine and completely different. There's a, you know, an amazing woman at the moment that's built a multi-million dollar business from coaching graphic designers. Amazing. It's incredible what she does, and I love the way she goes about it. 
And so I look for evidence that says, if she can do it, I can do it too. Now that's based on me having a sense of worthiness and self-esteem that says, okay, fundamentally as human beings, she doesn't have anything that I don't have. She looks different, sounds different. She's a bunch prettier than I am. And maybe she has some different levels of intelligence, but I, in my area, I can do that same thing. So first I like to look for evidence that I've done it in the past. And if I can't find that, I like to look for evidence that other people have done it. Now, often these two things alone can be enough for me to just rewire my brain. And the old beliefs will come up for an hour and again, and then I go, hang on, I've done this in the past, and there's somebody else that can do it, I can do it. And so this mantra of that cycle in around there has been really, really helpful for me being able to believe new things. Now, one of the things that I will do at different times too is I write down the thoughts that I want to think. And again, these are all of these things that we talked about before. You know, money flows effortlessly to me. If I want more money, I've just got to solve more problems. The universe is abundant, okay? Abundance flows from gratitude. So I write down these things that are, sometimes we could think of these as a mantra or an incarnation or incantation, that type of thing there. Not incarnation, it's an incantation. And then I want to repeat those in my mind again and again. And I'll look for these things that when I can find up my old stinking thoughts, that when they come up to this is something I learned from Charlie Ward 25 years ago, that when I have one of those thoughts come in my mind that I don't want to come in there, I'll say cancel, and then I'll just put the new thought in there. So, you know, if I'll see an amazing place and I think, oh man, I can't afford that, I go cancel. I could afford that. Okay. So this means as a part of that, not only am I writing down these new thoughts and rehearsing them, then number four thing is I'm staying alert for my old beliefs. And then when they do come up, I want to replace them with my new thoughts, okay? So I say cancel and I put the new one in there. The final step that's been really helpful for me to think new things is I take actions as if. If I believe this, what would I do? You know, if I believe that abundance flows from gratitude, then I'm going to spend a whole bunch more time being grateful. If I believe that financial mistakes are just a learning opportunity, I'm not as paralyzed. If I believe that wealth is meant to be shared, then I'm going to be more generous. You know, if I believe that money is a tool and not the end goal in itself, then it takes away some of the pressure of me having to get it. And I'll think about what things I want to do with it. So I start to take action as if. So they're the five steps that have been helpful for me. I look for evidence that somebody else has done it. I look for evidence that I've done something like this before or something similar. I write down the new thoughts that I want to think about and I rehearse them over in my mind again and again. I think about them. I stay alert for the old beliefs. And if I hear them, I say cancel and I replace from the new beliefs and I start to take actions as if these are the five steps that I go through to think new things. All right, folks, that's 10 belief systems that in 2024 will help you bring more wealth, will help you create an identity that will drive the actions that will ultimately end up with a result of there being more money in your bank account. That's it for this episode. As always, thanks for all that you do. Keep saving lives. See you back here next week. Bye. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out my Community Influencer Program. It's my monthly coaching program where we take all this material and I'll work with you to help you apply it, implement it, and systemize it. The Community Influencer Group Coaching Program is designed to help you increase your practice income, impact, and enjoyment. Join me over at anguspike.com forward slash join. That's anguspike.com forward slash join. I'd love to see you there.